0: You're listening to Marketing News Canada, Canada's number one show featuring the brightest minds in marketing, PR, and digital advertising. Hey
1: everybody, welcome to another episode of Marketing News Canada, Canada's number one podcast for all things communication, advertising, and marketing. I'm your host, Ted Lau, award-winning agency owner, podcaster, and family guy. Today on our show, we have Amanda Bertain. Amanda is the Director of Marketing and Communications at BC Egg. Her career spans more than 20 years working in a variety of industries, including forestry, finance, healthcare, and not-for-profit. She has won both national and international communications awards based on her work in the forestry sector. Amanda is a lifelong learner and loves the days she gets to spend on the farm learning more about farm practices. Amanda, welcome.
0: Thank you so much for having me.
1: I've been following your career, you know, you and I have met many, many times, and you've had an illustrious career. It spans from finance, healthcare, and now, you know, you're in agriculture or agri, as some people call it. But let's talk about your origin story. How did you get to where you are today?
0: (laughs) Well, I knew I wanted to write for a living, and so I went to university as an English major. And in my very first semester, I was paired with an older student mentor. And she said, hey, I'm doing this thing called communications. You should take a class. And I did. I took a class in my first semester and I fell in love. And I took like maybe two more English classes and I never took English again. (laughs) Yeah, I just fell in love with communications and the theory behind it and practice. And I loved it. So I took an immediate liking to crisis communications, but I actually ended up becoming more of a generalist. I do have a little bit of a specialty in crisis comms, but... I did the co-op program through SFU and I worked for four different employers over five semesters. And uh, I ended up being hired by my last employer, which was an agency uh, specialized in healthcare. And yeah, she hired me part-time while I did my last semester and then full-time after that. And that's how I got started.
1: All right. And then so then you have hopped around at other places. Now, just so you know, I actually had this very same experience, but mine wasn't from business than communication. I went to SFU as well. And I did, I fell in love with it, right? It was just kind of this experience where it was very different. It's not something that you learned in high school, you know, and and learning to communicate to a larger audience and whatnot. So then, you know, what, what happened next? So you were at the agency and then where did you go?
0: Yeah, I was at the agency and I learned very quickly that agency life was not for me. I really respect people like you that have agencies and and love all that business development. I don't love that part of the work. So <laughs> no, no. The selling not part,
1: not thing. so much. No, <laughs> not,
0: not so much. So when I was at the agency, I worked for two clients, mostly on site. So Burnaby Hospital and St. Paul's Hospital. Mm. And I really loved that. So I was doing a lot of internal communication with a little bit of external Yeah, I love that. When the contract just came to an end, the agency wasn't able to keep me, which was a very friendly mutual parting of ways. And I went to HSBC Bank Canada. And so I went from like little tiny workplace to a very large multi-provincial workplace. And that was a great experience. I did a lot of internal communications there. I was on the team that started the first intranet, which makes me like really old, but yes, we did that. And then I was working with people at HSBC Bank US and also in Mexico. So that was my first sort of international experience. And uh, it was really great to see like working in different languages and different cultures and things like that.
1: You were in finance too. So you went to HSBC and then Mm -hmm. how did you get into agriculture? Because that's quite the difference, right? Like you, you went from one thing one field to another.
0: It's a couple of different jumps in between there, but I did work in forestry, which is kind of agriculture. It's just like really, really long term <laughs> hundred year cycles. Uh and then it was somebody I worked with in forestry who headhunted me over to agriculture. And instead of harvesting every hundred years, now we harvest every day.
1: There you go. I guess that's fun. So then mm-hmm. I mean You mentioned you had one of the first intranets, right? And comms is, I found when I started my career, you know, I actually wanted to actually get into marketing. But a lot of my clients that hired me were actually people in in the comm sector, in the communications departments of companies. And they were saying, you know, we don't have marketing's budgets, but, you know, if you can work with us. And I think it's a different lens, right? It's very different than how marketing is. But communications itself has changed over the last, you know, 20 some odd years. So for yourself, what have you seen that has changed and what have you seen that hasn't really changed?
0: Well, obviously technology has changed, right? When I first started, there was no social media, cell phones, like they were obviously around, but not widely used. You just assume people didn't have one, right? Now we just assume everybody does have one. So that has changed and nothing makes me feel older than, you know, trying to figure out TikTok and the latest social trends, right? But one thing that is kind of interesting is video. When I first started, video was all the rage. You would hire these big companies that would come in with producers and editors and camera people and sound people, and you would do these big, beautiful productions, and they were lovely, and they were expensive. And then we didn't have budgets anymore, and video went away for a long, long time. And now it's back, but we shoot on our phones. I certainly hire a production company to do like some of our higher end video that's on our website, but now it's totally acceptable to take your iPhone and shoot a quick interview or just equipment working and post it. And one of our most popular social media posts ever was at, like a 30 second video of an egg packer working.
1: An egg packer? I actually don't an even know packer. what that is. Like, so you like to, to pack the eggs into the cartons?
0: No, on the farm, Uh, they collect eggs. They don't do it by hand. It comes by conveyor and then it's sorted by a machine and they're packed onto uh, flats of 30 eggs. And it's that machine that picks the eggs off the conveyor and puts them into the flats. (laughs) All right. Super popular. Super Mm -hmm.
1: popular. So then you worked in forestry, you're now working in agriculture. And those are two big resource sectors in the province of British Columbia, actually, and probably Mm -hmm. in Canada. And Mm -hmm. so are there stark differences in terms of how people uh, operate and see the industries? I know, you know, there are controversies, obviously, with both industries that you've worked in. How do you tackle those? You know, how do you rise up to the the challenge when maybe the opponents or or the, the challenging views, they have some legitimacy, but how do you address some of those concerns?
0: I don't know why I keep picking controversial industries to work in, but I guess I do. Um, I've dealt with protesters uh, both in forestry and in animal agriculture. They are challenging. Everybody is 100% entitled to their viewpoints. Um, I found that people opposed to forestry are usually opposed to what they call old growth logging, and they feel more areas of the province should be protected. It's not personal, whereas animal activism is very personal, Mm. and people actually fear For their lives with animal activists, it's a whole different level. I'm certainly not one to tell anybody what to eat. If you don't want to eat animal products, fill your boots. Absolutely fine. No problem with it at all. But you shouldn't be threatening the children of farmers. Um, Yeah, that's what we have a problem with.
1: So then any tips for that? that kind of almost border crisis communication? I I think it would, given you're threatening farmers' children. So then what tips do you have to our listeners around how to manage that and still communicate your message in a proactive and productive way?
0: Well, we do a lot of education with our farmers. First of all, what to do to prevent somebody getting on your farm. So what a lot of people don't know is farmers generally live on their farm. So their farm and their workplace is the same thing. Um, A lot of times the families work on the farm as well, including kids, right? They have farm chores, just like you and I had chores around the house growing up. Mm. So we educate them on what to do to prevent somebody coming on your farm. And then if it does happen, we educate them on what to do. So we are absolutely a hands-off, non-aggressive reaction to people coming on the farm, And we tell them, you know, if you have young children, for sure, get them out of the area, but they also have to protect their animals. So it's all education.
1: And so a lot of the education, it sounds like it's towards your members, the farmers, or I guess the foresters when you're working in the forestry sector. What about to the general public when something like this transpires?
0: So we have the policy of being as transparent as possible with the public, right? Most people don't know where the food comes from. They don't know what basic farm practice is. So we try and be as transparent as possible. We are out at the p and and other summer fairs um, showing people what it looks like, what farming looks like. We have videos on our website um, that show what real farming looks like. It's just... A sneak peek. It's not Old McDonald's farm, right? <laughs> with the farmer's <laughs> or wife I've been watching
1: Yellowstone on Prime. I hope it's nothing like that.
0: <laughs> I actually haven't seen that, yeah, so I it's, don't know. It's,
1: uh, it's very dramatic. So hopefully, it has nothing to do with Yellowstone. But anyway, so so you do a lot of education, then, right? So that's <laughs> yeah. it. Sounds like that's the key is education. Now, in terms of what you've done in agriculture uh, with egg farming, what was the most surprising thing when you left forestry and you came here? That you were like, whoa, I didn't I didn't know that. Or maybe you weren't surprised. I don't know.
0: Yeah. I mean, I was like most people. I I mean, I had a vague idea of where my food comes from because I, I grew up in Langley. I went to school with a lot of farm kids, right? Mm. Although I didn't grow up on a farm myself. But I was surprised at how much the farmers care about their animals. I thought, oh, like, yeah, they take care of them because it's their business, right? If you don't have any animals, you don't have any business. But I was surprised at how much they care. Like we're talking through the heat domes, farmers would be in their barns 24 hours trying to keep the fans going, trying to keep their birds cool. During the flooding last year, they were, everybody saw the pictures of dairy farmers getting their little calves onto boats and getting them out. In poultry, we had farmers hand lifting chickens out of water to higher ground or like a second story in the barn, things like that, you know, they're slogging through toxic water to save their animals. So I was surprised how much they care.
1: Well, that's great. With regards to maybe there are, I think the the media attention of the rogue farmer or or the member that is offside, you know, there's lots of farmers that you guys represent, but there's always, there's bound to be, right? There's always a Uh, rotten apple in the basket. I'm trying to use an an agricultural metaphor here. (laughs) There's Uh, a bad apple, yeah. Bad apple. How do you address that?
0: First of all, there are very few bad apples because Mm -hmm. the other farmers are the first ones to get on them um, and try and correct things. So the farmers are always on each other's farms, like during non-avian influenza times. They're on each other's farms. If they see something wrong, they're like, hey, dude, let's fix this, right? Mm -hmm. They're the first line of defense right there. Um, And then if an issue does come up, we have a whistleblower policy, so anyone can do it. So like an electrician working on a farm or the feed truck delivery driver, they can report a problem and then we address it that way as well. So it's usually other farmers are assigned to go and check out what the issue is and correct it. We even have a barn fitness audit program. So any barns that are over a certain age or their equipment is over a certain age, automatically, it doesn't matter how good or bad the farmer is, they're getting inspected. Hmm. Um, And then if something does come up, we had an issue a few years ago now, um, and we took action immediately and we were public about the action that we took. We shut that farm down. We moved the birds off of it and forced the farmer to fix all of the problems before we allowed them to have birds again. So with supply management, one of our whips, if you will, is that we can pull quota. So we can pull their license to Mm -hmm. have birds. And we do do that.
1: All right. So transparency, collaboration, proactive policies are all part of the mix. That's great to hear. Now you touched upon avian flu. And so right now we have the regular flu, I don't know, flu just for for kids, like the, all the, the kids are getting sick and, and my staff are, are sick and and all this kind of stuff. But you have to deal with that challenge. Uh, and we don't hear ab- about that, especially now, you know, with the pandemic and I guess the pandemics in the rearview mirror ish. And there's inflation and there's all the other things that we're talking about. You had to stick handle all the communication through that through covid through uh, the inflation stuff that's still going on, and now avian Mm -hmm. flu. So Mm -hmm. do you want to talk us through some of those
0: challenges? (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Uh, During COVID, we dealt the same as everybody else, I guess. We shut down the office. Um, We shut it down for two months, starting in March 2020. And then we shut it down again in like October, I think. And we didn't go back for nine months that time. So like everybody else, we were dealing with Zoom and Teams and things like that. So I was managing two staff remotely, one of whom was immunocompromised. So she was, you know, extra, extra careful. For internal communications, we had to do a lot of Teams meetings. We had a daily video call to check in. Um, We were getting really sick to death of seeing each other on video. So we, you know, put up silly backgrounds and we'd bring our pets into team meetings and things like that. Right. So kind of... Mix things up, but I found it was really important to have a daily check-in because when you're working from home, you miss a lot of the water cooler talk, I guess. Mm -hmm. And so that was a really important part of our management style, I guess.
1: There were there any Mm. comms challenges with the public itself, like because you were now working from home or anything like that, or was there any because everyone's attention was on the pandemic? Were there anything that you needed to address to your members or to the general public over that time?
0: We don't have a lot of contact with the public outside of fairs Mm -hmm. um, in person. All of our stuff is social, online. So that really didn't change. Um, The fairs did get cancelled. And so we came up with a new way of reaching people. And that was through our virtual barn tour program. We just kind of said, hey, I wonder if this will work. And we just tried it and it did. So we invited people into barns through Zoom. And we would have live barn tours, mostly with kids with a couple farmers with their phones and uh, the kids loved it and they could ask questions and get them answered right away. So that was one way we changed. The other thing is everybody was cooking. <laughs> everybody nice. was cooking and baking. So we did a whole bunch of pandemic recipes and we put those out on social media. So while the way we reached people didn't change at all, the message changed.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, uh, speaking of baking, my, my wife, Crafted her croissant recipe and perfected her sourdough recipe. I think we still have the starter and it's sitting somewhere in the back of the fridge. So that's good. I I think I actually sent her one of those recipes that you sent me. So
2: (laughs) there we go. At Parker, our purpose is simple we want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward.
1: and and i guess inflation or avian flu how's that affecting uh, your members how's that affecting obviously well the public on the inflation side how are you guys yeah. communicating that
0: well with inflation um on the public side we actually have nothing to do with pricing so again transparency is our friend right we just say hey we don't have anything to do with pricing that's retail but these are some of the reasons you might be seeing an increase in price right so um, a drought in the prairies led to a loss of the wheat crop, which means there's less animal feed, which means animal feed costs more, you know, gas is up, all of those things combined together, make it so the price for your food is increasing as well. So yeah, transparency is my number one tool, I guess.
1: That's great. And then so this flu thing,
0: what's going on there? So with avian flu, it means that farmers should not be getting together in person. We have a biosecurity program and we're in red right now, which is the mm-hmm. highest level, which means farmers shouldn't be getting together because they may transfer the disease from, you know, boot to boot kind of thing. So we've gone back to what we did during COVID. We're having Zoom producer meetings. We're doing e-blasts a lot. Um, and then, of course, we have to communicate around the avian flu. So we work with CFIA and the Ministry of Agriculture, and they have messaging that has to get out. So it's a lot of e-blasts. We try and manage that because, as you know, you can't send people 10 e-blasts in a day and expect them to pay attention. So we try and combine it, keep it down to one or two a day. And then there's a daily update that goes out, uh, and that gives farmers all the news about, you know, where avian flu is, new rules that change with the CFIA what's expected of them, et cetera, et cetera. So kind of technical information. You now, if the farmers are on their farms
1: most of the day and when you're communicating to them, are they receptive to email? Are they receptive to this kind of technology? Or is it more uh, you find that it's more effective to have you know, in-person conferences and stuff like that?
0: No, they are. It's kind of like a workforce um, that is remote, right? So they're not in front of their computers all the time. Uh, They're not getting immediate access to email, but they do want the information. Now, most of them check their email on their phones. So we have to make sure all of our e-blasts, everything looks good on mobile, right? Like you can't let that go and say, oh, well, most people look at it on desktop because they don't. And I'm sure Mm -hmm. that's true for everybody Mm -hmm. these days. It's all mobile. Mm -hmm. Um, so we make sure everything is easy on mobile and our website, we link to our websites a lot of specific pages, obviously, for more information and we make sure those are all accessible on mobile as well. So just like super basic stuff like that. Um, but the farmers are info hungry for sure. They want all the information about avian flu and um, they're constantly looking for it.
1: Now, so a lot of our listeners are, are communication professionals or marketing, a- advertising, whatnot, but they're all in mm-hmm. different sectors. So we don't have a lot of guests that, that are actually in the agricultural space. That's why I think it was very interesting to have you on in this call today. I'm, I'm wondering what tips you might want to pass along to a communication professional that might want to start their next journey in the agricultural space. Any tips
0: Well, first of all, I would strongly encourage it. It's so much fun. I love the days I get to spend on a farm. Uh, There's way more poo than I've ever dealt with before.
1: (laughs) There's not a lot of poo in finance?
0: Um, There's not a lot of poo in finance, but yeah, yeah, chickens poo. It's a lot of fun. Um, Farmers are great people. They are so excited when they get to go out and talk to people for events. So they're fantastic to work with as well. I came into agriculture with virtually no knowledge. So don't let that dissuade you from, from trying a career in agriculture. They're pretty much used to support people like myself, not knowing anything about it. And they're willing to teach. I have my um, little database of farmers that I can ask dumb questions to. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, it's important well, to build what, what that up. What
1: would be a dumb question to a farmer, I wonder?
0: Oh, anything to do with animals? Like, um, I don't know. I'm mostly over the dumb questions now. But like, but you know,
1: throw one out so that we want to understand. Because, like, maybe you know, I didn't know what. What would. you call it? an egg packer? An egg packer. You, yeah. you said a few things in the interview. That I'm like, I never, I didn't know that. So, you know, maybe educate us a little. You know, for, for our <laughs> audiences, what, what, what might be some things that we wouldn't have known about? You know, if you're gonna go into the agriculture business, hey, yeah. this happens. Yes, poo. There's lots of poo. Lots of poo. and there are things called egg packers. What else? What else are there? <laughs> oh, transparency. Lots of transparency.
0: Lots of transparency is good. Um, you have to certainly be willing to try new things. Um, I never thought my job would involve handling live animals, and it mm. does. Handling and really? You got to yeah. communicate
1: to the chickens, like.
0: Well, I pet the chickens. That's a good okay. part of my job. But um, when we move birds into and out of a display, like the peony. Mm. you have to actually learn how to handle and move those birds appropriately. So um, I can now catch a (laughs) chicken.
1: You can catch a chicken.
0: I can catch a chicken. Yep. I had a farmer hand me three chickens. Um, The safe way to handle chickens. Here's a learning for you, Ted. The safe way to handle chickens is actually to hold them upside down by their legs. No. So As soon as you hold a bird upside down, it's like they go into chill mode. They're like, hmm yeah, oh, this is good. And you can watch them. Their little heads. They're looking around. They're totally calm. They're totally fine. But that is the best way to do it. it it's the least chance of injuring the chicken and least chance of injuring yourself. So,
1: I don't think there has <laughs> been any other guest on Marketing News Canada who can catch chicken. So I think this is a first. So good for you. <laughs> what about on the egg side? So you've been, there's a lot of the, the chicken stuff, but what about on the, the egg side? Is there stuff that you want to communicate to the general public around eggs. And I, I know that, you know, there's the omega threes, I think, is is mm-hmm. that right? But like you're talking about, you know, didn't know where the food comes from. So maybe yeah. is there a, 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 this egg starts here and ends there kind of thing?
0: We did a virtual barn tour, uh, I don't know, maybe a month ago for a class of food science students. So these were like 14 year olds. Mm. And the teacher posted to Instagram after, and we were so excited to see this. She posted a picture of, I guess it was her hand, holding like a regular large egg, which is what we all see in the grocery Mm. store, and then like a jumbo double yoker egg. And she had said, before we did the barn tour, my students never would have tried this large egg because it looks different. And they're not used to seeing food that's different, right? Mm -hmm. So... That's one thing that I enjoy talking to people about eggs is that, shockingly, chickens don't lay large and extra large eggs all the time every single day. Sometimes you get teeny tiny ones. Sometimes you get huge ones, lots in between. Sometimes there's an egg laid that has no shell on it. Um, it's just, How does you know, work? the, yeah. So, you know, the membrane that's inside yeah, the yeah. shell.
1: So it's kind of soft and it's jelly. Just like that.
0: Yeah. It's like a gel egg. Yeah. They're fun to play with they're squishy. <laughs> oh, <that's fishy>. mm. <laughs> so, um, those obviously don't go to market, no, but no. so it's great telling people that, there's a lot more eggs out there than what you see at the grocery store, and actually, they're not wasted. They all go into like mayonnaise, ice cream, liquid egg products. Like when you buy your carton of egg whites, so for my example. Je-
1: jelly egg goes somewhere. No, the it's jelly like,
0: egg is just garbage. That oh, the jelly <laughs> eggs
1: garbage. Okay, but like some of the smaller eggs, then and the jumbo mm-hmm. eggs, yeah. So basically, yeah, the smaller. ones that don't fit the yep. carton size prescribed carton size.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly.
1: Interesting. Yeah. What about, so you're, you're teaching students, so you talked about um, food scientists and whatnot. What about mm-hmm. climate change, right? We hear about climate change. Agriculture has a big role to play mm-hmm. in that. What uh, is BC Egg doing, I guess, in this uh, arena?
0: So there's two sides of of climate change for us. One is how are we reacting, right? So the floods, the heat domes, even avian influenza, to a certain extent, they think is being influenced by climate change. Really? Yeah, because it, it's not as cold in the north where the birds are summering and they think that's giving the virus a chance to oh. propagate more. Um, they can also overwinter here in the lower mainland of BC, which um, because we have a fairly mild winter, um, which means the birds are here all the time, which is why BC is having such a bad outbreak of avian influenza so yeah climate change is big for us so we're learning to live with it protecting our barns from floods and from heat but we also have a role to play in mitigating climate change right so Mm. we have barns that are run completely on solar power wow in other parts of canada they have barns that are run by wind power this is definitely 100 Mm -hmm. the barn is
1: wow okay
0: yep yeah. So, you know, it's obviously in its infancy, these mm-hmm. uh, technologies, but it's great that farmers are doing it. I have another farmer who feeds, instead of using like uh soy for protein, they're using fly larvae. Chickens obviously don't care. They eat bugs, right? Okay. <laughs> so yeah. normally. So yeah, there's different things people are trying out. We also, our national partner, Egg Farmers of Canada, has got an environmental sustainability program right now and we it just launched. And so we need like a year for farmers to sign on and we're tracking how much energy is used, et cetera, et cetera, to see how we can reduce that energy usage.
1: That's fantastic. Okay, I learned something today. So solar barns, jelly eggs that don't work. And then there's a <laughs> bunch of different size eggs that go into products that have eggs in it. Yeah. That aren't sold retail. All right. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Well, I think what we should do is go into our rapid fire round and just sure. ask a few questions about Amanda. Some oh, of the questions I sent you. Some of the questions <laughs> I didn't, but I'm going to ask an easy one. Favorite egg recipe.
0: That's a hard question That's for a me. hard question. Oh, come oh. on.
1: You, I mean, you see it all the time. You oh, see it all I time? do.
0: That's why I've got so many favorites. <laughs> um, I'm partial to a good frittata.
1: Nice. Nice frittata. Any quiches? Are you a quiche person, or is that too much gluten?
0: Yeah, well, I'm gluten free, so oh, there you go. go, That's
1: why that's why that's the frittata. All right, that's why I go
0: for frittatas. Yeah.
1: Okay. All right. Favorite experience on the farm?
0: Uh, Anytime I get to go into a barn and hang out with the chickens. Sometimes the farmers lose me because I'm wandering around, petting the chickens and talking to them and things like that. So do they
1: let you pet? Oh yeah. some like the chickens are are cool with it. They're, oh, okay.
0: Some are, some aren't. Yeah. I mean, you don't force them, but if they are interested, they're very curious and they like to come over and peck at your shoes. And so they can just bend down and pet them. They're fine.
1: I I heard so one of my guests, uh, I think last year or a couple of years ago, former CMO of lunchclub.ai, she is out of Houston, Texas, and she has some chickens on her farm and her on her property. Mm-hmm. And she says that her Chickens? Chickens actually assign names to you? They Do you know this? Are you familiar with this? Apparently they they know, they'll assign names to their humans?
0: I don't know about assigning names. I know they can recognize faces and they love their farmers for sure. They recognize mm. their farmers and they'll follow them around.
1: Okay. What are you reading right now?
0: I just finished, like last night, I finished The Apollo Murders by Chris Hadfield. Nice. So, yeah.
1: Nice. Well, maybe there'll be a sequel. we we'll never know.
0: That would be great. Yeah, it was a good That'd book. That'd
1: be awesome. All right. Uh, in terms of comms, any comms, tips, or books that you've read in that arena?
0: I read a lot of articles. I'm trying to do a lot more media relations reading right now. Um, so I'm blanking. I can't remember what I've read most recently, but I'm doing so much media right now. Any tips that I can get are valuable, nice. so.
2: Nice.
1: What's the best thing to do on a winter's night?
0: Sit in front of the fire and drink hot chocolate.
1: All right. With a do good book. Do, do you do eggnog? Can you do eggnog? Because we're we yeah. going to out to BC. Yeah, you do eggnog. All right, cool. yeah. Are you a night owl or are you an early bird? Early bird. Savor tooth, sweet tooth?
0: Sweet, especially if it's chocolate.
1: Oh, yeah? Milk or dark?
0: Dark all the way. How Dark. Seventy percent, seventy-two percent.
1: Oh, that's not bad. That's not seventy-two oh, percent. Very specific there. All right. Well,
0: he can get 70, 72. Yeah.
1: What song or album are you streaming right now?
0: I don't listen to a lot of music. I know it's terrible. It's terrible. I'm into on the audiobooks. way to the
1: farms. You're not listening to music.
0: Audio books.
1: Audio. Oh, audiobooks. Okay. Any audio
0: books? Uh, well, I, that Chris was Hadfield. Chris Hadfield. Yeah. Oh, I so you listened to
1: it? You listened to it? I,
0: I did listen to that. Yes. Did
1: he narrate that?
0: No. That would have been amazing, though.
1: All right, well, let's do a plug. How can people get a hold of you?
0: <laughs> well, they can reach me through bceg.com. So, Amanda B at bceg.com. And yeah.
1: Okay. Well, Amanda, thank you very much for joining us today. It was very informative. I've learned more about chickens and <laughs> eggs in this last little while here than I've done in my 42 years walking this planet. So, <laughs> very much appreciate it. Everybody, thank you very much for another interesting episode of Marketing News Canada. I'm Ted and this is Amanda and we're signing off. Thank you.
0: Thanks a lot. Thanks for listening to Marketing News Canada. For more episodes and other great stories from Canadian marketers, visit marketingnewscanada.com. All episodes are recorded in the Jelly Marketing Studio thanks to our producer, Chris Penner and editors, Travis Jeffers and the Podfather.
2: At Parker, our purpose is simple.